was asked to remind you that next Sunday is Promotion Sunday, that all the kids need to meet in the fellowship hall before Bible class, and you'll be assigned to your new teachers. Teachers will take you to your class at that point, so don't forget, next Sunday is Promotion Sunday. I was also asked to remind the young adults that the young adult retreat is coming October 7th through 9th. Austin wants your RSVP. He doesn't know that yet, but he does. Get it to him if you're wanting to participate in that. Other things that are happening in the body life, we've got Camp Red Oak Springs coming up, and the host congregation that we're working with needs some help. We need some counselors. We need some craft workers. I'm assuming that's people that know how to do crafts and lead the people in it. Okay, all right, craft workers, if you're interested in doing that, see Nick. He's got all the details and information on it. This Wednesday will be our final planned lesson on the transgenderism, God and me series that we've been going through on Wednesday night. I know that we've been asked a lot about this. There are recordings of the lessons being made. So if you're wanting those recordings, uh, we haven't figured out exactly how that's going to work, but just know that they are being recorded if you missed one or more of those nights. Next Sunday is potluck, everybody's favorite Sunday. You guys are looking at me like, why? Because it's potluck, and that means several things. Rabbitoh sausage and fellowship. Plan to bring a dish. Plan to spend some time together with with your brothers and sisters over a meal. We'll have a short devotional afterward uh, from that. And reminder that today is the last day of life group. So don't worry about your life group meeting next Sunday. Coming up, starting in June, 7 o'clock in the morning, first Saturday of the month for men 18 years and up, we'll feed you breakfast. We're going to spend some time in study looking at what it means to be God's man in the world and as we live for him. I encourage you to be participating and attending that. Anniversary is coming up. I know that you guys are probably getting sick and tired of me telling you that the anniversary is coming up, but we're going to continue talking about it because there's a lot, there's a lot that's going on with this. Yeah, there's sign-up sheets in the back. We need some help for kitchen help on uh, the Saturday Yeah, we're just not going to worry about it. There's kitchen help we need for the Saturday meal. Sunday is going to be a potluck. There's tear-up, there's set-up, sign-ups back there. Go ahead and look back there on the sign-up sheets. There's also a sign-up sheet for the prayer group that Daniel's getting started. There's sign-up sheet for VBS. We're still in need of one teacher for VBS. If you are interested in participating, talk to Amy Dryman on that. Okay, that's all I've got for Body Life. Not Amy Dryman, Amy Derwin. This is what happens when you have an Amy with the last letter or the last name that starts with the same letter as somebody else. Derwin, not Dryman. Derwin. That's all we've got for body life. Let's get into the lesson. Open up your Bibles to 2 Peter chapter 3. <clears throat> the plan is to finish off Peter's letters this morning. And getting into his final thoughts, Peter has been reminding us of God's nature, right? He's talked a lot about how historically God acts. He, when he makes a promise, he acted on it. If he's made a promise that he has not yet fulfilled, he will act on it because he has acted on promises in the past that we've seen. So just because we've not seen a fulfillment of promise now does not mean that he will not fulfill that promise in the future. 
okay? And if there's any delay, the reason for the delay is because he's being patient with us so that we can be the people that he is calling us to be through all of that. <clears throat> it really does turn the idea on its head when we start thinking about God's delay is because he's being patient with us to, so that we can be the people that he's calling us to be. Sometimes I think we like, well, the only reason God hasn't come and judged this world is because he's being patient on all them other people. No, he's being patient on, with us so that we can do what he's calling us to do. And usually, and, and I get this, I think it's a human nature thing, Usually when we see someone who says they're going to do something, not take action, we think it's because they don't care. For instance, we had some stuff sitting on our dining room table at the house, and it was yard implement stuff. This wasn't like papers. This was a piece of equipment that was sitting on the table. We have life group at our house today, and Sonny looks at me this morning, and she says, babe, I said, love of my life, sunshine of my soul, what is it that you would like to talk to me about this morning? And she said, we have all these people coming to the house for lunch today. Do you think you want to move that stuff off of the table? And I looked over, because I'm sitting in my, in my seat. I look over. Yeah, I probably will do that. I'll get that taken care of. Okay, because when we get home, I'm going to be focused on getting food ready and not on cleaning up. I was like, I'll get it taken care of. It'll be done. Right? And I just sat there and she walked off, knowing full well that I fulfill all my promises and willing to be patient to let me fulfill it when I was ready. Doubtful that's what she was thinking, but that's what she was doing. I, because I am a good man, waited about 10 minutes until I was done with my coffee and then went and took care of it. But it may seem to Sonny, as I sat there drinking my coffee, that I didn't care. I didn't jump to go and do those things because that's how we want things to happen, isn't it? When someone says they're going to do something or they're going to take care of something, we want them to just jump on that thing right now and just get it taken care of. And when they don't act on it, we think they don't care or they're apathetic. Uh, they just, just really don't see any need for it, whatever it may be. Peter's point in all of this is that just because we don't see God acting immediately does not mean he doesn't care or that he's apathetic. But it, it also doesn't mean that he approves necessarily of behaviors either, all right? And sometimes I think that's the other thing we can get tempted into thinking is that, well, all of this sin in the world and everything that's going on and God's not acting on it, he must not he must not care, and he obviously approves because he's allowing these things to continue happening. No, what he's doing is holding himself back on these things, hoping that we would come to repentance, hoping that anyone out there would come to repentance on these things. And that's what Peter takes us to in the very last verses of 1 Peter chapter 3. Read with me. <coughs> Excuse me. We're going to start in verse 10 of 1 Peter chapter 3. The day of the Lord will come like a thief in which the heavens will pass away with a roar and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat and the earth and its works will be burned up. Since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, what sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be destroyed by burning and the elements will melt with intense heat? But according to his promise, we are looking for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. 
Therefore, beloved, since you look for these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace, spotless and blameless, and regard the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given him, wrote to you, as also in all his letters, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to understand, which the untaught and the unstable distort, as they do also the rest of the scriptures to their own destruction. You therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, be on your guard so that you are not carried away by the error of unprincipled men and fall from your own steadfastness, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Peter leads us to his final thoughts by reminding us that God is active. Okay, he's not dead, he's alive, he's, he's active in the world. We may not necessarily see everything he's doing, but we know that he is active because historically he has been active. He's acted on his promises. <coughs> Excuse me. So why is it then, knowing that, that when we hear of something that is going to happen, why is it we want to know every single detail about it? Right, go back to our reading in Acts chapter one. Okay, this is a fun little section, and Sonny and I were talking about this this morning about how gentle Jesus is with this, where I would have not been. You know, but Jesus, he's about to ascend to the Father, <coughs> excuse me, and he's giving some instructions to the disciples, the apostles, and they're like, oh, we know exactly what's going on here, right? Lord, this is the time that you're going to bring into the kingdom. Bam, we're here for it, we get to see it. And Jesus looks at him and goes, uh, I think that's a little bit of Nunya. And the apostles look at him and go, what's Nunya? And Jesus says, Nunya business about when this stuff is happening. It's just gonna happen. You do your job. And then everything else will fall, for, fall through, right? Because they were supposed to stay in Jerusalem. Then they were gonna go into all Judea. They were gonna go into all to Samaria. Then they were gonna go to all of the world. These things had to happen. That was their responsibility. That was what Jesus wanted them to focus on. So Peter's instruction here is fantastic because I can see him thinking back to the conversation that they had in Acts chapter one, right? We know judgment's coming. I wanna know everything about it. In fact, I wanna know everything about it so bad that I'm just gonna start figuring it out and so I can nail down exactly when all of these things are gonna be going on, right? <clears throat> and, and if the master didn't reveal to the apostles when certain things were gonna happen, what makes us think that he's just gonna reveal stuff to us on when things are gonna happen? We've got to keep our focus correctly. But because we are so curious about something or because we have to know, we look for hidden codes or hidden messages, right? And some say that there's this non-random arrangement of letters in the scripture that will tell us some important date, some important politician, some important event that's gonna be happening when all of these things that Peter is writing about is gonna transpire, right? Like for instance, let's go through the book of Habakkuk and let's pick the 14th letter of every word through that book and we're gonna get all these letters and we're gonna, it's a message and we're gonna unscramble that message. And it's gonna be a direct revelation from God on when certain things are gonna happen. You guys are laughing, but these things 
Look it up on the internet. People are doing this. Barry Simon, who's a Caltech mathematician, has shown that any sufficiently large text, for instance, war and peace, okay? If you translate war and peace to Hebrew, will yield similar prophetic results from all of the craziness that people engage in with the scriptures. What all of this is, what Peter is getting us to in all of this, when we read, the day of the Lord will come like a thief, that should immediately tell us one thing and one thing only. Do you know what that one thing is? You don't know. Guess who else doesn't know? Peter. And here's the other thing that it should tell us. It doesn't matter when. It does not matter. In fact, it is of little importance when this day comes. You know what is important? Everything that follows in the text. And we live on faith or by faith, accepting that it's okay that we don't know when it's going to happen, but we do know that it will happen. And accepting the fact that we don't know, but that it will, changes the way that we live our lives, how we conduct ourselves during this, let's call it a grace period. Because that's really what it is, right? (laughs) That we live by faith according to this. This This is the time, this is the place that the Lord is calling us to work as part of his kingdom. And as we're living and as we're working, we are looking forward to this happening. In fact, we want this to happen. Do you know why we want it to happen? Because it's a fulfillment of God's promise. We're looking forward to it. We're seeing it coming. We're almost hastening it. We want it so bad, we want it to get here as quick as it can get here. Not because we want people to burn in hell. That is not why we want this, but because of the joy that's on the other side that we know we will experience because God is faithful to fulfill his promise. And it's that desire that drives our behaviors in the here and in the now. That we are diligent in the use of our time. We don't waste it. First, we want to make sure that our relationship with God is on the up and up, right? When you look back into the text, it says, you look for these things, being diligent to be found by him, him, excuse me, in peace, spotless and blameless. That's a maintenance of our relationship with God, okay? We're just making sure that we're on the up and up, that we... This this is the natural state. Holy and blameless is the natural state of the one who is in Christ. Paul makes that argument pretty plain in Ephesians chapter one. This is who we are. And because this is who we are, this is what we do. We're patient. And we can act calmly as we live in this world. We don't worry about things that are a little bit too difficult to understand, we're willing to just let those sit on the back burner until we come to a better understanding of it. We know that there's gonna be people out there that are just gonna try and twist the scriptures to whatever agenda that they want to to present. 
But we're on the lookout. We are on guard for those things so that we're not carried away by unprincipled men. And while we are looking for the future promise fulfillment, while we are being diligent to make sure our relationship with God is on the up and up, while we're on the lookout for things that are going on that unprincipled men behave in, we grow. We, Peter's telling us that growth is an expectation of the time we are allotted. How many of us kept growth charts for our kids when they were growing up? Maybe it was on a, a door jam or something in your house where you took a chisel uh, or a pen or whatever. Why did you do that? Did you, you couldn't tell that your kids were growing up? Or was it because you wanted to see those milestones being marked out so that if you were ever feeling slightly nostalgic, you could go back to it and cry and remembering how little they were? Or was it because you knew the importance of growth and maturity in your children? Do we think it's any different from our Heavenly Father as he looks at us? Are we expected to grow in this time that he's allotted us? Or does he just say, you know what? Yeah, you were good back here, but no growth is really necessary in your relationship with me. Peter is telling us very plainly that growth is a natural part of our behaviors right now. And if you ain't growing, what are you? We look for, we're diligent, we're patient, we grow. When I was in the Marine Corps, there's this thing called getting your shell back. Is anybody familiar with getting your shell back? Any sailors in here? Okay, I'll explain it to you. Crossing the equator on ship is really important. Don't ask me why, it's some kind of naval tradition. Uh, and I know the Marine Corps is a department of the Navy, but we were the men's department. <coughs> and so we were on ship, and we knew we were going to cross the equator as we were coming from, uh, we were going from Japan to Somalia, I think is where, about that area of the world that we were in. And everything stops on ship when you cross the equator so that you can, those who are uninitiated can get their shell back. And basically what it is is 24 hours of hazing the uninitiated by the initiated to get this special piece of paper that's about this big that was written to you by Davy Jones and all of this stuff. Anyway, well, part of it is we got put on iceberg watch at the equator on the flight deck of the, of the ship. It's hot. You know there's no icebergs at the equator. And you had to stand there. Looking for an iceberg at the equator. Did you know that when I was going through my shell back and I was put on iceberg watch, I did not expect to see an iceberg? 
Sadly, I think that's how a lot of people approach Christianity is that we just don't expect to see God fulfillment, fulfilling his promises. Peter is encouraging us here. This isn't the life he's calling you to live, that you are meant to be on the lookout for something that is coming. God has promised it. You're gonna see it. You're gonna see it. This is that future salvation aspect that we've talked about before. That Christ's return is going to be amazing for those who are found in Christ. This is gonna be the biggest, happiest, most joyful thing that we will ever experience in our entire lives. And it will continue for eternity. Do we carry that joy with us right now? In the same way, Christ's return is going to be terrible. It'll be terrible for the ungodly. While many people dream of happiness, destruction comes. There's no escape for the punishment that is due them when Christ returns. Do we want people to have the same joy that we experience? And that becomes the final admonition that Peter brings to us from his second letter. Live. Live. Live the way God calls you to live. Not tomorrow. Not yesterday, right now. Be diligent, be patient. Knowing that God is working not only through humanity because of how he's done it historically, but God is working through you. God's working through me. And it's a joyful work. because it's a presentation of the truth of Jesus Christ. He is not slow about his promise. He is not apathetic, and he's not approving of sinful behaviors either. But what he is calling us to be is his people right here, right now. Because here's the deal, guys. It's not for us to know times and epochs. It is for us to do what he says to do and to be who he says to be. What an encouragement that Peter actually approaches this whole judgment thing from the joyful side. Usually we, when we start talking about judgment, it's a hellfire and brimstone type lesson and everybody's gonna die and everybody's gonna burn and we're gonna be super happy about that, right? It's kind of like the song, Jesus is coming soon. We sing that so happy. Jesus is coming soon, big fire and big doom. Many will meet their doom, Woo! can't wait. Let's be the people God calls us to be right now. I don't care about tomorrow. I really don't care about yesterday either. Right now. Are you ready? Do we believe we can do it? Do we believe we can be the people that God calls us to be right now? Then let's do it, guys.
Let's be a force for change that this city has never seen before. Let's be a force of truth that is unashamed of who our master is because we know we live for him right now. And that's all he's asking. We're gonna stand and sing the song that Austin has selected for us at the end of our lesson. If you're ready to live for him right now, maybe you've never lived for him at all, and you've, you've come to a conclusion through your own personal study, through prayer, conversations with members of the church, whatever it is, I don't care, you've come to the conclusion that living for him right now is what he is calling you to do, to make his name the master of your life, to make that confession, to be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins, raised a new creature, added to the kingdom, living for him right now, this is the time. This is the time to acknowledge him as Lord in the presence of all of these witnesses. And the beautiful thing about that acknowledgement is we've all made that. Those of us that have made that acknowledgement, we rejoice because we understand the joy that comes from that. And perhaps you've, even, perhaps you've made that confession already and you've been living a life for you and recognizing the, the chaos and the disorder that comes from it and you're ready to quit that garbage and live for Jesus right now. You need the help of the brethren. You need the prayers of your, of your brothers and sisters. Counsel from the elders. Whatever it is that we can do for you, we encourage you to make that known by coming forward while we stand and sing.